to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. My mum has memories of the wife of the abuser. She would deliver my mum to him. He, he never left his room. So he was always in his room. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. An elder of a family abused every single little girl for generations. The daughter, the granddaughter. Generational trauma and abuse. The victims are many and their responses are just as varied. Crystal's mum was one of the last to be abused, but the trauma has been passed down and this family are now in the process of recovery and healing. Content warning. This episode discusses child sexual abuse and resources will be listed in the show notes. Crystal, welcome to The Deep. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. Look, that was a very cheery start. That was a very cheery start. I think we should shift gears now because what we're actually talking about today is incredibly traumatic, shocking, it's disturbing, it is awful. So I think let's begin. How did you first know that your family unit was different? Actually, at quite a young age, I think that my first memories interacting with my mum and noticing that there was something different with my mum was around two, three years old. Wow. Yeah. How did that present? At the time, I noticed that I would actually watch other mothers and daughters together and notice how they would interact and I would notice that that my mum was different towards me than how other, like other daughters that we were hanging around with, friends at the time, there was, there was something different about the way me and my mum interacted. It's the littlest things. Like she would never let me, my dad used to work nights and she would never let me sleep in her bed. And so she would never let me, she wouldn't touch me. She wouldn't let me sleep in her bed. It was like any time I tried to like get in emotionally to to her, I was a block. Um, Even little things, like I used to try and purposely have a sip of her drink. Like say she was having a cup of tea or a drink. I remember I would watch other mothers and daughters share drinks and then I would go to try and ask her if I could have a sip of her drink and she'd be like, no. So it was like any way I tried to like get in, it was like, no, you're not getting any further. It was real blocks emotionally, physically, affectionately. Were your needs met? 
Were you fed, yes. clothed? Yes. Yeah. If you cried, were you held? Yes. Okay. It's hard to know. I don't have a memory of that. Like it's hard to know. I don't really have memories of being neglected. It wasn't that I was neglected. My mum is actually, you know what I mean? Like super amazing and every it was just this this any any time I tried to get a closeness to her, like maybe it was like the way that I wanted to be close to her, the way that I desired to be loved, I just couldn't get in. When did you find out there was a reason for that? How old were you? Probably in my teens. Um, and, and, and when we got to teens, like it went from like we were, we weren't very, I wasn't getting the affection or the closeness that I desired. Then when I was a teenager, I was angry. You know, I was so angry at her, um, had so much resentment and she also had a lot of anger and resentment. So I don't think she ever sat me down and was like, Hey, this is why I am the way that I am. I, I can imagine, you know, with all, all the memory that's more like a screaming match of like, you don't know what, you know, like what's happened to me. Like it was a lot of that explosive, eruptive, conversations. You don't understand me. You don't understand what I've been through. So there were these tidbits of information that you're picking up. Something happened to mum or something's different to mum. She doesn't feel safe or something happened to her safety. Mm. When did you actually find out? I think over the years, my mum has told me little tiny bits of her story and her past but I never have had the full story until uh, 2021 when. Holy shit. Yeah, it's wild. Like I, I'd never sat down with her and said, tell me your story. Like I want to know what happened to you. But I had this idea to do a podcast and it was about my own healing journey. And that's a huge part of it. Do you know what I mean? Is my experience with my mum. And I asked her if I could interview her for the podcast and we spent three hours just me interviewing her privately and she told me everything that she can remember um, that happened to her in her childhood, which was like, it was so interesting because I'm hearing it for the first time, but it was like I'd always known. On You know what I mean? Like it was like a remembering. It was bizarre. Everyone is now for the past five minutes going, what the fuck happened to her? What the fuck happened? So can you share your family's story with us? Yeah. My mum, she was molested, sexually abused from the age of 12 months old. It's so hard. Every time I say that, it's just like, um, until she was 12. I can't even, it's almost too much to comprehend that. Yeah. It never, ever gets easy. And it's not even my story. A little baby. It started with a little, and we've heard about this, you know, we've heard urban myths or horror stories of babies being sexually abused. And it was, it's a true thing that has happened to your mother. Can she remember? You know, her trauma is complex and it's not, I don't think that she has all the pieces of all the memories. She suppressed a lot of her of trauma. Um, when I was about that 12 years old, a lot of her memories started coming back. She has, you know, almost every night, night terrors. 
and she has fragments of, of memory. She's done a lot of therapy just in the last maybe, you know, three or three, three years. Um, she's done EDMR therapy where they re- recall memories. So a lot of this is, it's very fragmented. And that, as we've learnt throughout the past few years of creating this podcast, is trauma recall is not linear. And the way the body and mind need to survive things, that's why it's really hard to place things. I'm just curious if like a baby, if a trauma happens, because we know that we store memories, I think from the age of three up, but I'm wondering if there is such a um, trauma to the body or boundary that is crossed at such a young age, if there is something in that time that stays. How did she know it was 12 months? Was this from collecting information or how did she know that? Uh, Collecting information, different fragmented memories, doing therapy, um, having memories, I think seeing herself at that age, uh, you know, because with that level of trauma you completely disassociate. So seeing herself but not maybe understanding why she's seeing herself in that room or the door closed, you know what I mean? So it's just like fragmented over over time, yeah. Did anybody um, confirm it, like acknowledge or confirm that, yes, it's very likely that that is true? No. In fact, she, at eight years old, she went to family and they told her to be quiet, to keep quiet, sit down, um, and not to say that ever again. And there's a reason for that. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. And then actually through the through my podcast, I, we actually can, a lot of these people have passed on now. So there's not, a lot of people are um, estranged. So there's a lot of, you know, complex trauma in the family. Um, but there was actually one, an, a, a cousin who was a little bit older than my mum that I actually connected with and interviewed her for the podcast as well. Oh. And she confirmed it. So my mum at 60, one years of age for the first time ever had somebody tell her that this is true. I just got full body shivers. The validation Uh, after being ignored and denied and shushed and, oh, okay, 12 months to 12 years. Does she recall... This is really hard, right? Because this isn't an interview with her. We're interviewing you about generational trauma. And you can go and listen to, like, people listening can listen to your podcast with her directly. But having a very in depth conversation with her, I'm going to ask you some questions. Did she have a turning point where she knew what was happening to her was wrong? Or was she so firmly groomed that it wasn't till the abuse stopped that it was seen as wrong? That's a great question and I'm not even sure that I've asked her that question in detail. My understanding is her point of view now. I know that from our conversations like she hate it wasn't sometimes in child sexual abuse it's it feels good it's kind it's loving it's not it's all you know so it, it's very common for child sexual abuse victims to have that guilt and shame because i wasn't held down do you know what i mean i like the attention and yes from my understanding with my mum, it's it's it wasn't something that she ever you know he was an old man it wasn't something that 
ever felt good to her or that she wanted to be involved. Not that anyone wants to be involved. No, I know, but it wasn't as it was even um, more unnatural because of the he was a very old person and she must have felt very scared. I guess my next question then is when you initially reached out and you said breaking generational trauma, did this happen to more than one person in the family unit? Yes. Um, I'm actually the first generation of women in my family to not be sexually abused by this man. And is that because he was dead? Yeah. Who is he to the to your mother? He is a man married into the family. So my mum's 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 sister's husband. So he was quite old. So hang on, your mum's mum's mum's, that makes great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Her sister, mm-hmm. your great grandmother's sister married this person, mm-hmm. and from that entry level, is what I'm hearing is he molested each generation of babies and children. Yes, he actually. My mum's mum has two sisters, so there were three women, three sisters in the generation before my mum, and they're. Uh, parents died when they were very young and this man and his wife adopted my grandmother and my two great aunties. So they grew up with this man as their adoptive father. Oh my God. I know it's wild. So hang on your grandmother, her parents passed together. Yes, not in, in a small period of time. So first one of them died and the second one died not long after, like a year or 18 months. And they were all young. So then- How young? Like uh, say seven, eight, nine. They were very close together in age like that. So they were, they were quite young. Holy moly. So they're taken into this family. Is there any other children in this family unit? No. And do you know if they were sexually abused? Who, who yes. told you that? It's come out in later conversations that my mum has had with her mum, but mainly my aunt, my great auntie Cheryl, who played a huge role in my life. Um, so what we know is that all three sisters were sexually abused by this man. We know that that's confirmed, and then. My mum was also sexually abused. I mean, the, the, the truth is there probably could be a lot more, but this is just what's confirmed because um, my grandmother knew because she had been sexually abused by him. Yeah, so this is the thing, right? Uh, and um, everyone is screaming, listening to this at the moment is, and it's really hard because we don't know and we can't be judgmental, but I have to ask, how does the grandmother allow your mother around this pedophile? I mean, it's I, it's a great question and I've asked, my mum has asked that, I have asked that. It, it brings a lot of pain and it's so complex, it's so layered and these are women that I loved and I respected and looked up to and, you know, I just think that they were victims as well and they definitely failed my mother, sending her to their abuser every day to be babysat because these this family looked after a lot of children. That was really their role. They didn't have children of their own and they looked after – my mum was literally sent there like every day to be babysat by him. Um, and 
I don't know, but I try to have compassion because it's an area that I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be abused and maybe think that that is normal and that is just what happens. Um, it's just, it's so complex. Oh, I just feel so angry, you know, and I know that's a, I know you're living through this and it is your family unit. It's just, and I know I do not understand and will never understand what it was like for your grandmother and great aunts, but it is, um, and I'm sure what she has to live with, or she may have passed by now, but dealing with her child could being confronted with that. Like, have you, did you ever have an opportunity to, to talk to her? No, she passed when I was, when I was like two years old. Okay. I think that um, my mum, you know, she held a lot of, has held a lot of anger and confusion um, about why, because she first, uh, she didn't say anything until she was eight years old. And was it her mom that was like, we don't talk about that? Yeah. And my mum's understanding, which she has shared with me, is that the reason was is that her my my mum's father would have killed this man, and so sure. they they kept it a secret and didn't bring any light to it, swept it under the rug, which is very common in that generation. Thank God we've progressed past that now, where we you know that's not really what we do now as much as back then. Um, that was the reason that my mum understands as to why it was concealed and dismissed and pushed under the rug. Did she have other children? Does your mum have siblings? Yes, she has uh, a half-sister who was adopted when she was born and two brothers. Were they sent to them? I actually don't know. I don't know. There's speculation that no one is the, the thing is no one has come forward so not everyone's ready if that is part of their story they're not they're not they've not spoken about that um so i'm not sure and the aunts great aunts children were they they didn't have any children this is the it is another complexity of this story is that my my grandmother obviously had children. She was the only one who had children. My great auntie Cheryl never had children, and she lived in that house with him until she was in her late twenties. Um, and there's this there's this kind of like rumor in our family that she had stock full on Stockholm syndrome, and and there was it went from abusive relationship to her baby being older, and that relationship still continuing in some complex way she she got married when she was like in her late 40s um and then the third sister bonnie is a missing person no one knows where she is i know it's it's wild she went missing one day and no one has ever heard what age she was in her uh in her 30s like so it was older in age um and it's so bizarre because I'm like, did anyone look for her? Like, is she? Is she? She's not really even a missing person. She's just somebody. So who, no one even reported it. She just left, and no, no one heard from her. No one has ever heard. She's from had her no since. contact, and no one knows where she is. With all the digital connecting services and social media, there's nothing. She's gone. Nothing. Shh. Gone. And not reported. It was like she got in a. She left my grandma's house one day, and she had, I mean, she was a complex woman. She had trauma. She was in and out of hospital. There was a lot going on for her with her mental health is what the story is. So people have just dismissed as like, oh, it doesn't surprise us that she went missing because she had all of these issues, which, because 
you know, she was also abused. Fuck. I know. It's like played out in three separate horrific ways, you know, one potential suicide or missing person or wants to get a new identity. One stays living with the perpetrator up until adulthood and throughout. And then one who sends her children to the perpetrator to repeat the cycle. Mm. It is, it is, it's shocking. And it's almost like, it's unbelievable. I know. So tell me about the woman that was the mother figure that was married to the perpetrator. Was she also uh, was she also abusive or was she in denial? Like where, what was her position? Uh, abusive, I would say sadistic, um, you know, sociopathic. As in violent and, and uh, physical cruel. and emotional or? Cruel. Okay. Cruel. My mum has memories of, her name's Aunt Doll. She's passed now, so we'll just call her by her name. It's easier for me. Aunt Doll was the the, the wife of the abuser. Um, she would deliver my mum to him. He he never left his room, so he was always in his room. And Aunt Doll would actually go and put my mum on the bed, which is one of the memories that my mum has have, where she would be put on the bed, and Aunt Doll would. Um, they used lollies and, and chocolates as a way to get my mum to do certain things or be abused and Aunt Doll would put my mum on the bed in the room with this man and then would my mum has memories of Aunt Doll then going up to the top of the wardrobe and pulling out a box of lollies or chocolates and putting them on the bed, knowing very well what that man was going to do with those lollies and chocolates which is just one memory. There's, there's lots of other as well. It's one of the topics that haunts me from doing this work is child sexual abuse, child abuse. And it's, oh, fuck, I hope it doesn't shift the way I parent, but I feel like in some ways it is. And I find it incredibly disturbing that there are couples that are in on this shit together. There's no escape for these little children in this home. And then I'm sure your grandma knows that she's taking over her daughter as a baby, probably doesn't know what age it's going to start if she was a little bit older. She's probably hopeful it's not happening, but she knows that it is. It's like it's a nightmare. I think a lot of these things are, are created from desperation. So if I look at that time, my mum's dad was in and out of jail or working away and so there was no one to, you know, my, mom, my mum's mum had to work and so out of desperation they're available to, you know, I can see how it can, I don't agree with that, but I can see how when you're backed into a corner. Opportunities arrive. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that I would love to be able to have that conversation. I would love to be able to understand, you know, the other women in my life who were molested by him, how they never said anything, how they didn't protect the generation after them, because it doesn't make sense to you or I. You know what I mean? It's it's like how? Um, There's nothing that excuses it. I'd love to have those conversations, but unfortunately. 
So have you like kind of blown this family up by the podcast that you had with your mum? Like what made her feel willing and ready to do this and what is the outcome of this being public now? I actually have always known, I don't know why, but, you know, I was 11 years old making a promise to my mum, you know what I mean, that one day I would share her story. Did you know at 11? I knew without no, it's so hard to explain. Like she would say little things, do you know what I mean? Like they would indicate that that things had happened that she in her childhood, but I didn't know know the depths or of the story. Um, so I kind of always knew that I would share this story, and I don't know why. It's just something that I believe that we choose our parents. I believe that this is part of the work that I've gone on to do with women. Like it just is all connected for me. So. Um, when I decided I wanted to do the podcast, I always knew that I wanted to interview my mom and I wanted to share her story. I am a big advocate of like, we need to shine light on the darkness. Like I don't buy into that this idea that has to be swept. We can't talk about these things. So I gave, I asked her if she was open to that and open to doing that journey with me. And she was, and it was, it wasn't easy. It was difficult because I had, I wanted to make sure that she felt safe and that it was going to be public and all of those things, which it was complex, but we had such an incredible response. Like so many women reached out and sent beautiful messages to my mum, which felt for the first time ever, she was like not alone in her trauma. And, and I'm a really big believer in the work that I do. And part of my message in the world is like turning our pain to power. Like what's the point of going through all of this shit that we go through if we're not going to turn around and, you know, do something with it. And so I really wanted to give my mum that opportunity to no longer allow these horrible things that had happened to her to be who she is. She's more than that. And I really felt by sharing it and giving her, like I've got the platform, right? So using my platform to share this story would empower her. That was the intention. How was it then receiving that information? Did she explicitly tell you some of the ways in which she was abused and did you how did you receive that yes I wanted to know as much detail as possible um because I just feel like and I'm this is again just one of my personal beliefs is that I wasn't abused and it's it's um a privilege to say oh I don't want to hear that it makes me uncomfortable absolutely That's a privilege and so I really believe that I need to sit through my discomfort to allow her the space to share what she's ready to share. And she shared all of it. And I shared in detail uh, on the podcast. And I did that intentionally. Because, and I gave lots of warnings. And it was because it's a privilege to say, oh, I don't like hearing stories like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, we, we should hear stories like that. Absolutely. What was the spectrum of abuse? Can you tell us? It started um, what I would call molestation, touching, uh, progressed to oral sex, uh, raping her with objects and then full blown rape. So it, it was such a long, it's like 11 years of her life. And if not daily, it was weekly, it was a lot. So it progressed a lot. Um, and one of the, actually the most, the hardest things that is so hard to talk about is that because of the level of her abuse, you know, she was four, from like the ages of like three, four years old was constantly at the doctors. 
um, with vaginal bleeding, vaginal tears, lots of infections vaginally. Um, so it's not just her her family that let her down. Like, oh my god, yeah. To know, to treat, and to fucking send her off out the door. Yeah. The betrayal, you know. I I wonder how she even was able to be in relationship with somebody after that or your your dad you know like it's quite um fascinating and intricate to know how that you compartmentalize parts of yourself to move forward and have relationships yeah it's definitely not easy like you know, there's what happened to my mum in her childhood, then there's everything that happened afterwards. And I want to talk about that. Yeah, that's where I want to go. So let us move on to, you know, the abuse stops at 12. She has her teenage years. She has relationships, I'm sure. And then she meets your dad and has children. How many siblings do you have? I have two brothers. And, you know, you have an experience of how she is in the world, quite different. What other, um, what else can you notice in her apart from being a mother that is showing up in the way she is in relation to the world around her? I would say that my experience with my mum and my brother's experiences are very different. Okay. And so that was one of the things I would notice is that I felt like she treated me differently compared to like her relationship with my brother. I felt like there was just, and maybe that was because I was the firstborn. Maybe that's because I was a girl. Um, it was just interesting. And, and we, the great thing is me and my mom, we have, we, we, we talk about this stuff now, you know, we're in a different space. Um, but back then it felt like she you know, I, I, I felt like I took a, the, the brunt of it. I feel like she found it easier with them. You were maybe more a reflection to her of something, you know, when you're looking at a small child and you're reliving things and you're triggered or a 12-year-old arises and you get flashbacks and dumpings of all of these things because you're looking at a, a daughter and also Absolutely. what she is then now thinking about her mother. She left home at 14. So she didn't stay in that house. She left at 14 and she met my dad at 14. They've been together since wow. they were 14. They're still um, together? Yes. It's not wow. been easy. It's not been easy, but they are still 14. together. Yeah. 14, three kids. When did he find out about this? I think that I don't know exactly when. I know he knows, but I also know it's, it's, it's really interesting. The men in my family, it's like, it's still that like, so taboo. It's like me and my mom did this podcast and none of them have even listened to it, you know, because it's too, it's that same thing. It's like, it's the, and I, I have to respect that it's their mom, you know what I mean? It's complicated. And it, it's so, but it's just this thing is it's hard for people. It's so, it's the most horrible thing in the world. And, and I don't, I have to respect people's choice to not want to expose themselves to that information, even though my belief is different, that that's a privilege. We should know. Um, it just is what it is. So they know it's happened. 
Yes. And they're supportive and everyone's, you know, supportive of my mum, but it's just, it's super confronting. Yeah. Confronting and painful. I get that. Like I, my husband can't listen to my sharing of my violence, you know, from an ex-partner. He can't hear that, I think, because it hurts too much. And I completely get that. It's just, um, it's all, it's more so, I guess you and I have curious minds and we would want to understand why she's the way she is. And that's just an element that is really uncomfortable. We have to deal with to get through to that information. I guess that's just a difference between people. Definitely. For her though, was she a withdrawn person? Was she able to keep a job? Was she uh, uh, tackling substances to cope? Like what, how was she in the world? I think by the time I, she was 23 when she had me and my dad was 20 and they were very young, figuring life out. Lot Both have extreme trauma. You know, my dad has a whole other, you know, his story as well. Um, and so but my mum is a fighter. She's a hard worker. She has, you know, she's woken up every day and fought every day of her life and she has not ever let this get her down. And which, you know, is a testament to her, but also that's part of her trauma response is to do mm. exactly what she was told to do at eight, sit down, shut up and keep going. Do you know what I mean? Like as in move, move forward. And so that, that she is, she has cooked me every meal. She has provided for me. She is, you know, I can imagine some days were really, really hard. So she's given me everything that she possibly could and been the absolute best mother that she could dealing with intense trauma and a all of it is unhealed. Do you know what I mean? This is, this is not the kind of trauma that she's only just gone to therapy in the last couple of years. And it was actually so intense for her that even the therapist was like, I don't think we should continue bringing forward these memories. Like, you know, but they're still controlling her at a subconscious level. So it's just, it's so complex. You don't really get over something like this. So based on what's happened to her, I mean, she's a fucking hero. Like, do you know what I mean? She's just amazing. You would look at her and and not even, you know, you wouldn't even know unless she told you. She's always kept her shit together. How it manifested in some ways, though, is anger. You know, she was so angry when I was a teenager. Like, you know, some mornings I would wake up and we wouldn't even greet each other. It would just be like, you know, it was like this weird, as I said, my experience with her and my experience that my brother's experience would be very different. The reason I, I want to know and I've had these conversations, I've done the podcast, is because of my trauma. Yeah. So you felt somewhat um, there was some kind of transfer of trauma directed towards you or did you feel like you picked it up from her or do you feel like you had an element of trauma from her, like you directly, like you felt some kind of abuse? I mean, that seems like a harsh word when we're talking about this but where does your trauma come from through this in her relationship to you feeling like I mean being so young and knowing that my mum doesn't want to touch me she doesn't want to be close to me like you create like really negative beliefs about yourself like I fully believe that I was unlovable that um that I was a bad person because I didn't at that age I didn't think there was something wrong with her I thought there must be something wrong with me she doesn't love me. She doesn't want to, uh, you know, be close to me. Um, and then as I turned, got to it that more like 12, 13, she was just so over, like overprotective in the most 
insane way. Like, I mean, I would go to school, come home and my whole bedroom would be ransacked. She'd gone through every box, read every, she would read my diaries and then like confront me about it and yell at me about what she found. Like there was no boundaries. There was no privacy. She was like hyper manic all the time. So you didn't feel then safe. So you were like, I don't trust this person. They're breaking, they're breaking my boundaries. They're breaking my trust. I can't be around them. They're attacking me. It all feels very unsafe because it's very up and down and I don't know where I stand with this person ever. Yeah. So it went from being cold. Like I felt like the word I'm going to use, it felt like cold when I was a little girl and then it turned into like something else. And then we became and the anger that we had for each other, like we, we just couldn't get on the, the same groove. I mean, that is, and that's very common, you know, for teen girls and mums, totally. But I think when you add in that thing that you're projecting onto your child, fear, have you been abused? Are you safe? What are you doing? I've lost control. Mm. I, I can really sense that. So what happened to you? Did you guys grow apart for a while? It's so, it's so complex because even though it was like that, my mum has always been my biggest supporter. Like anyone has ever done anything to me ever, she's like there. So even though she can't express her love in the way that I really wanted, which was soft, loving, you know, she was this super intense, overbearing, overprotective (laughs) mother. Um, And so we've always had a closeness. Something has always brought us together. And I think you know, as I got older and I learnt, you know, more about who she is, I grew, I started my own healing. I started getting into this. I mean, I was studying social, social welfare and working in child protective services. Like everything I've done is about her. You know what I mean? Like even the work I do now, if I look at the root cause of why I got into this work, it's like, it's all about her. It's all about trying to like help women and help her. So I think as I matured, and I started to not make her reactions about me and started to see that she was deeply hurt, that she was deeply in her trauma. I just, it, all that anger that I had for her was like instantly replaced with like, like with a, a profound amount of empathy and compassion and understanding. And it wasn't easy. I had a lot of, you know, I used the word hatred. That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? I, there was so much anger and hatred. And I felt so betrayed by her all the time. But I actually, I think I actually, like, I'm just remembering something. Like when I was like 20, I think I went and had like some healing experience in someone's house. Maybe it was like a Reiki or something. And I remember like instantly leaving and like feeling that I had made peace with my anger about how our relationship and it was in that moment that I went to a place of how can I help her how can I support her and I'm grateful for that I'm grateful because I you know I live every day to to protect my mom do you know what I mean to make sure she's okay and which is like a big thing like when I say that I also realize uh it's it's a lot but um yeah we're now we have a, a great relationship you know there's definitely the lines between mother and child have always been blurred, have always, my parents had me really young. They've had a, like their, you know, the complexities of their relationship. They're, um, they've both got unhealed trauma. So it's always been like, I feel like I've been the parent parenting them for sure. Um, but that's just the experience. You know what I mean? That's just my experience. Do you feel like that was, 
you know, there's constant amount of generational trauma repeating itself everywhere, whether that's domestic violence or child sexual assault or whatever it is. What, when did it become apparent to you that you were like, it, no, we stop, we're healing, we're confronting, we're, we're, we're changing the narrative of this? You know, this isn't our family history. Was it when you learned that you weren't sexually assaulted and your mum broke it? Or was it that like, no, now I'm going to heal it? I feel that I have always, it's so hard. It's like a bit woo-woo, but I just feel like I've, I always knew. Like I, from a young age and when I kind of understood more about my the complexities of both my parents' childhoods, like I really feel and believe that like we choose our parents. I believe that I chose my parents and that I'm here. I've always felt like the black sheep in my family. I think differently. I'm doing different things. Like, um, and so it's always felt like that. It's always felt like that was my path. And then the work I started to get into what I chose to study, it's all been about healing. Now I can look back in hindsight because in the moment you don't really know that. Do you know what I mean? You're just making Mm. decisions and you're just taking this path or doing that. Now when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, like, wow, like everything has led me here and still leading me here. And it's still not over. Like I really believe that I'm meant to do something with this, you know, that there's a greater purpose to this pain, this trauma, the things that we've been through and yeah, I don't know what that's going to eventuate into, but, you know, I, I, I've always had a knowing that it's going to be for something good. Mm. How's your dad? I think that he's doing the best that he can with the tools and resources that he has. You know, I think that my dad is disgusted and horrified by the things that have happened to my mom, but he doesn't understand it and he can't, he, he he's not the right support for her. He, you know, supports her in the best way that he knows how, but he doesn't have those tools, you know, to, to, to support her through that. And it of course caused this, this level of unhealed trauma causes issues. You know what I mean? It causes problems. It's, this is why I say their relationship, they've been together a really long time and it's not been easy. I mean, it's a testament to their love for each other, but it definitely has not been easy. And they, you know, have kind of, they fight every day to stay together, you know, amongst all of their stuff. Yeah. We've heard the impacts on you through childhood, through adulthood, through your life's work. Is there anything that you have learned because you're actually facilitating and supporting others through this now? And we can, I'd, I'd like to do a second episode with you around your healing work. Cause I think it's, really valuable but is there anything for somebody listening now going yeah we have a lot of generational trauma I don't know how to support my parent I actually don't know if I can hear it what are those things that you suggest to them listening now it's so common women having a breakdown in relationship with their mum I see it all the time in my work which is really heartbreaking um And so if I could give, you know, any, if I look at my own journey is I always seek to understand, you know, and I didn't do that for so long in my life. I was angry. So she she would project anger on me and I would project it back tenfold. Of course. You you know what you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
and now I, I, I th- I'm so grateful that I understand why. I think if we can understand why somebody is defensive and angry and volatile or abusive, um, not that everyone deserves an understanding no. of why, but in my case, my mum did, un- you know, she deserved that. Um, that gave me that compassion, that empathy. And before I could help my mum, I had to help myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had, I was hurt. I was angry. I felt in some ways neglected by her emotionally. Um, so it wasn't about jumping in to help her heal her her stuff. It was actually first about working through my own stuff. And so I dove into that. Because a lot of people, it's kind of like the chicken or the egg thing, right? Like I want that person to acknowledge me and love me, but at the same time I really need to acknowledge and love myself to be able to have that conversation with them so we can go full circle Would you say that if you have been in the receiving end, this is what I'm hearing, to go work on yourself, try to see some new perspectives and then go back for the conversation with some empathy? Because when you went to your mother after you'd had the therapy and you'd seen the things that you'd seen, did you feel like that was more helpful? Like did she hear you in a different way or did you connect in a different way or did she acknowledge? Sometimes it's really fucking hard. They still don't get it. They're like, you're carrying on, get over it, you're a child or whatever. Or did it just not matter anymore if she got it or not? Oh, that, that, what you just said, oh, get over it, you're dramatic, you're overreacting, like it wasn't like that. That was said to me my whole life. So like, so I was dismissed, like any, because I'm vocal, I'm like a passionate person. So I would fight them all the time on things that were happening and they would constantly try to like gaslight me and tell me that like that's not, you're the problem. You're the problem. So I had a lot of anger that I had to work through. And what I have realized is that somebody has to go first. Somebody has to put their ego down and be willing to do the, do the work and have a different level of conversation. And I think I realized that I had more tools. I had more resources. And more willingness, yeah. like, you know, because I felt with elders in my family, I'm the fucking child. Do better. And it would get me nowhere. And then I was like, okay, we're going to try another way. When you though came to her with some of this insight, understanding of all of the things, but you still got your resentments there underneath. Did she acknowledge any of it? Did she ever go, that could have been really hard for you. I could see that now or no. No. Yes. I mean, and I'm lucky because not everyone's parents will get to a place where they can acknowledge what they have done. And, um, that was like huge for me. It makes me emotional thinking about it because through doing the podcast as well with her, um, we had, we've had such deep private conversations where she has, you know, for the first time ever said, yes, I did treat you differently. I just struggled. I don't know why I wanted so badly I wanted nothing more than to just be you know you know not give you the version of me that I was giving you but I just didn't know how and so Mm. having her acknowledge all of that um and it's so funny because I don't need it now you know it's like when I was when I was younger I needed that Mm. desperate and now I watch her talk about it and acknowledge it and I can see her pain and I just want to take it away. I'm like, oh, we don't need, like, I don't, you don't need to feel You're like, this. I'm okay I'm so, now. <laughs> I'm okay. Like, I love you. We're amazing. I'm so, and I always say I'm so, like I said, I'm so proud of my parents. Like to know their stories 
even all the fuck ups along the way is to love and respect them. They are both incredible people against the odds of everything they have been through. Um, and so I don't need it now, but now it's really interesting. She's in a place in her life where I think she needs something from me that I can't give her. And it's so interesting because I might sometimes, because I grew up feeling a little bit starved of that stuff from her, like I can be a bit cold. I don't really need people. I'm seeing it in the way that we have anxiously attached and avoidance, you know, that whole dance of as soon as one heals their stuff and they're a securely attached person, that one that has maybe been the avoidant will turn and be the anxiously attached. So she's seeing you in your confidence and, and your strength and your he your healed self is like, oh, now I need her to to give me some of that, right? And you're like, no, I've got a boundary now. That's really, mm. but that's really painful for her. So it's a really interesting space that you're now in because it's the generational trauma takes another layer, you know, yeah. of what she needs and what you need. It's, it's an, just seems like a never ending thing. And I guess that's life, yes, right? That's, absolutely. we get it better each, I always say each generation we get better. Like my parents, and our parents, you were saying like, it's, well, their generation wasn't into healing and Reiki and like going <laughs> inward. Like that was, it was all about sweeping under the rug, suck it up, got to keep moving forward. Mm. Like, mm. and I really feel like my generation, women around my age, like we are the ones. So when I talk about healing generational trauma, it's not me, it's us collectively. It's this, it's my generation. We're the ones in the trenches doing the work doing that inner work. We're obsessed with the work, aren't we? Because we're just like, how did you all just bump around for so long not knowing everything? Or just pushing all of this down. Like, how did you survive? How did you live? How did you live each day and wake up? What is it like now with you guys? Because I know it's good. I know you're super close. How is it? It's good. It's good. I, you know, we have the relationship. She's a, my mum is really softened. She was so angry and bitter and defensive and aggressive for most of my life, you know, that teenage life. And, and now she's like soft and nurturing and, and she was all of those things before, but she, her, she wore a mask of anger and defensiveness and, and she is just, yeah, she's really softened in her, in her age. And, uh, we have the first granddaughter. So the first oh. granddaughter, child of the family was a little girl and it was really interesting um who we all love and adore but it was so interesting watching my mother with her uh, like the first time I felt all of these like unhealed stuff within me come up because I was watching my mum with her and my mum was being with her all the ways in which I wanted my mum to be with me and it was so interesting watching all this stuff come up for me and I'm not upset now because I'm angry I'm, I, I, I think it's the most beautiful thing so it makes me emotional because I'm so happy that she gets to have a do-over, that she gets to have a new experience. But initially when I was watching it, I felt the little two, three-year-old in me thinking, wow, like they were cuddling and kissing and like being so affectionate, like all those times that I remember trying to get my mum to do those things with me and she just couldn't. Um, and now I think what a beautiful gift that my mum gets to have that experience mm. and heal her shame and her guilt 
that she's carrying about not being able to give that to me. Now she tries to give it to me now. And I'm like, okay, back up, (laughs) back the fuck up. (laughs) That's too much for me. (laughs) I had the same similar experience with my dad watching him with my children and longing for that, but also healing through watching it. It's such a very, like for a moment, you're a bit jealous. You're like, did you ever treat me like that? And then you're like, regardless, I am now watching the way that you can be, that I can heal through it. It's, I think so many people are going to be able to resonate with that element of what, what you just said. Can, Can I ask the work that you do now? What is it? So, you know, I deep dived into healing about 10 years ago and I did a lot of different things for myself. And through that journey, I got so much clarity on what I wanted to do in the world as I was working in child protective services. And so now I suppose if I was going to wrap up what I do is I'm mindset empowerment coach and I really help women to heal their relationship with self. So it's a lot of like self-healing and healing this relationship just like when you asked me before about how did I help my mom, I had to first heal my wounds so that I didn't go and bleed all over her. Um, mm. And so that's kind of the work that I do. It's a lot of, you know, our belief systems, our mindset, how we view ourselves, looking at past trauma, all of it. So that's kind of a snapshot of what I do. I would love to have a separate conversation on just the work that you do and wrap this up in a nice bow now with our final question. Who are you and no one's watching? Oh, <laughs> who am I when no one's watching? Someone who deeply cares and is, you know, every day, you know, every day I'm turning all of this, all of my pain into power. Every day I am moving forward and doing my best. I'm just like everybody else, you know, where every day it feels like I get in the arena of my life and try to show up me the best person that I can be. No more sitting in the bleachers in the arena of my life. So, Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.